0: How's everyone doing tonight? We Northeast Ohioans aren't afraid of a few inches of snow, are we? <laughs> so here we are, through the over the river and through the no. So um, we are in week four of a series. We're going to hop right in. Let's actually pray. Before we talk about prayer, Father, we just thank you for this time together. We just thank you for these faithful ones who have braved the weather and come to hear your word about prayer. And we ask you to speak to us tonight. Impart your wisdom, impart your knowledge, impart your fire in our hearts. Help us to, Father God, learn what our words do in this earth. Help us to have that revelation before we leave here tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. In case you're wondering, we're going to be talking about words. (laughs) We're going to talk about the place that the Word has in our prayers, and we're going to talk about the power of our words, the Word coming through our words and what that does in this earth. And so let's hop right in and do a quick review. The purpose of this series named Prayer Life is to lay a foundation to have a successful prayer life. And we said success was not measured in volume. It was not measured in length. It's measured in did you get an answer. And to be honest, prayer that doesn't get an answer is kind of useless. It's just kind of words coming out. So the point is we want to get a prayer and, or get an answer. And so we're going to look tonight about what the Word has to say about how to do that. We're going to lay another level of that um, foundation tonight. The first week we talked about why we need to pray. We talked about what it was. The second week we talked about abiding and what that had to do with answered prayer. Because without that level of intimacy of knowing our Father, what He can do, what He wants to do, what He will do, without that intimacy, it's kind of hard to have faith when you stand before Him to pray. So it takes that intimate relationship with God. Last week we looked at covenant which I have never talked about in relation to prayer but it's important to know why we have the right to stand before God and ask because when Adam fell he messed it up for all of us. He took us all out of the presence of God. He removed us all from intimacy, all from fellowship, all from the ability to ask but when Jesus came Adam, in his sin, violated God's holiness, and that needed to be fixed. God's holiness was violated. There was a wall between him and his man, and he didn't like it. So Jesus came, and in cutting that covenant for us on the cross, he turned away God's wrath by satisfying his violated justice. Jesus did that all in covenant, and we needed to know that. He turned a throne of judgment into a throne of grace and a throne of mercy. And we need to know that when we stand praying because you'll have thoughts come to you before you pray, while you pray. Uh, You missed it this morning. He's not going to listen to you. You messed it up. He won't hear you. You, you. You messed it up. Have you ever missed it more than one time in a day? Have you ever missed it in the same area more than one time in a day? More than two times? More than seven times. (laughs) And then by the end of the day, God, I'm really sorry. Oh, I really mean it. And to prove it, I'm just going to fast here tonight, and I'm going to just pray and fast just to prove how sorry I am. Well, covenant eradicated the need for all of that. We're going to look at that a little bit later again tonight. It eradicates all those insecurities of I'm not perfect. And in Hebrews 10 19 through 22, we kind of ended on this last week. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with the water of the word. And so now, because of covenant, we know that we have access to that throne of grace. Not only did the covenant turn judgment into grace, it gave us access to it. And now we can, like John fifteen seven says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. So we're going to look at the my words remain in you tonight. We're going to look at the place that the word has in prayer. And in 1 John five fourteen and 15, it says, We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we asked for. We're going to read this in the Amplified because it Amplifies it. And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. Say, when I pray, according to the word, he listens to me and he hears me. He listens to us and hears us. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possession the requests made of him. If we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And since we know that he hears us, we know we have granted as our present possession. Now, the minute we ask according to his word, our present possession, the things that we have desired of him. What is his will? So, we talked about last week that faith is the fuel that prayer runs on. Is there no PowerPoint this week? PowerPoint? Working on it. Okay. <laughs> I just saw myself up there when I looked back at the PowerPoint, and it wasn't wasn't a pretty sight. Faith is the fuel that prayer runs on. We said that last week. Just like our car runs on gas, and if there's no gas in the car, how far is it going to go? It's not going to go anywhere. So faith is the fuel that prayer runs on. And faith begins where the will of God is known. And we know that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us, right? So faith is the fuel, and faith begins where the will of God, hey, there it is, where the will of God is known. And guess what? His word is his will. So if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, that's why it's so important that his words abide, remain, don't leave our hearts. Because they're the basis and the foundation of our prayer. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Say, their reality. reality. Say, there are some things, are things I, can't see, I can't see, but they are, they are. Reality. Amen. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. The NLT version says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for, the absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen. And so we're going to talk about this tonight. We're going to talk about faith in, in line with the word. Because there is a season from, sometimes from asking to receiving that it's not immediate. Sometimes you pray for healing in your body and the pain immediately goes. And then there's time where you praise for healing in your body and you're like, Hello, it's been four days. Where are you, Lord? Where's the healing? And so there's this substance called faith that we need to stand on, and it's based on the Word of God. <clears throat> so faith is always based on the Word of God, period. It is never, ever based on experience, ever. When you start to base your faith on experience, you are going to change your doctrine. Have you ever heard of saying God, does, God heals, but he doesn't heal everybody? That's because they knew someone that didn't get healed, and their faith was not based on the Word of God. It was based on experience, and that is never God's plan. Can we explain why not everybody gets healed? No. I I do not have an answer for that. But that does not change the fact that God said the believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. It does not change the fact that 1 Peter two twenty four says that by his stripes I am healed and I am not changing my belief. I don't understand why or why not, but that doesn't matter. And we're going to see that in a minute. Our faith is based on what? The Word. The Word. Never on our experience. It's not based on education, which you learn in college. It's not based on what we can understand. Our faith is to be based completely on the Word of God. And Jesus gave an example, like a parable, about the house that was built upon the rock versus the house that was built upon sand. And when you build your faith and set your faith on the Word... It's set on the rock. Your house is built on the rock, and it doesn't matter what comes against it, your faith is not going to be shaken. If you base your faith on experience, it's going to crumble like sand, like if your house was built on sand. Have you ever built a sandcastle and watched the waves just washing away? That's going to happen to your faith if you base it on your experience. Whose report are we going to believe? And as I was studying this, I was reminded of that song My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, not even the sweetest frame, because they'll let you down. I'll let you down. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, because all other ground is sinking sand. I dare not trust anything but the Word of God. It's when we ask according to his will that we know that he hears us, and his will is his word. And I was thinking about trying to think of kind of a picture or an example to give, and I remembered something that one of my Bible instructors told me years and years ago, uh, not just me personally, our class. <laughs> um, she was raised in Colorado and in the mountains, and they have some massive so, snowstorms up there. And so, one of the things they do in the winter is they run a rope from the house to the barn. It's what, 30, 40 feet from the house to the barn. But they run a rope, they attach it to the house, they run a taut rope, they attach it to the barn. Because if you go outside in a snowstorm and you still have to go take care of your animals, you still have to go do all those chores in the barn that you would have to do if there wasn't a snowstorm, they don't get a snow day. They still have to go tend to their animals. But they would hold on to or latch another rope onto the anchor so that they could find their way from the house to the barn because you couldn't see right in front of your face. They were anchored to the rope and they could walk to the barn and they could walk back to the house in safety, even though they couldn't see anything in front of them but snow. And that is what the Word of God is it's an anchor. It's the anchor from our house to heaven. It's the anchor from our heart to heaven. And it's what we attach to. It's what we hold on to from the time that we ask until the time that faith is made sight. The Word is an anchor. Does that make sense? Our, the Word is to be our anchor in prayer. Prayer. John 15, 7 says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. And Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and by hearing of the word of God. So I'm really trying to hammer it in. We have some other things we're going to cover tonight too, but I'm really trying to hammer in. Are we all together now that the word is the only thing that our faith needs to be based on? Faith comes by hearing Hearing by the word of God, the word is our foundation of prayer. The word is the foundation of our faith. If you're not abiding in the word, you don't have a foundation for your faith. And if you ask for something and get a day or two days or three days down the road and you don't see it instantly change, you're going to start questioning and you're going to start wondering and you're going to start doubting. What you feed grows. What you feed gets stronger. What you starve shrinks. And what you starve gets weaker. So, what we're supposed to do is feed our faith and starve our doubts. But sometimes, what we do is starve our faith and feed our doubts. That's backwards. We're to starve our doubts, and it's okay to speak out about it. It's okay to talk to yourself. I have out loud, you know. Sometimes you ever think, did I say that out loud? So <laughs> we're gonna get to that in a minute too. Your thoughts, but um, have thoughts come to my mind that are against the Word of God, and any thought that comes to you that's not. Bill Johnson said this, and you you may have listened to. Uh, several messages that he sent it in. Any thought that doesn't inspire faith is based in a lie. Is that right? Is that it? Any thought that doesn't inspire faith is based in a lie. It's based in something outside of the Word of God because the Word of God always inspires faith. Always If you are feeling a little short on faith, then put your nose in the book and your faith will get strengthened, it will grow, it will be strong and not weak. And it's okay when a thought comes to your mind saying, no, you're not going to get healed. It's okay to look at that thought and say, I doubt that. Your need's not going to be met. No, I doubt that. What the enemy's trying to do and what those thoughts are trying to do is steal your faith because faith is the fuel that answered prayer runs on. And if he can steal your faith, guess what's not going to happen? You're not going to have faith made sight. You're going to have doubt made sight. <laughs> and who doesn't want doubt to be made sight? I don't want those things, those negative things made sight in my life. I'm standing for faith. And so it's okay if those doubtful, lie-based thoughts come to your mind to say, I doubt that, and to say it out loud. No, I doubt that because why? Because Pastor Tony said it at church? No, because the Word says it. You know, Psalms said, it's not just, it's not just words. This is where that intimacy comes in. You have to know who the Word is. You have to follow that word back to the mouth of the one who spoke it, who contains the power to answer the prayer. Not one of his words returns void, he said. It accomplishes everything I send it forth to do. And what we need to do is align our words up with his words. It's not just the word that makes a difference, and it does. It has to be our foundation. But my words make a difference my words your words make a difference and what happens outside of the prayer room affects prayer and we're going to look at three points real quick I'm in case you're wondering why we finished up worship early why I'm trying to hurry up and do this early is because I really have something on my heart that we need to pray together and so I'm really trying to save some time at the end for us to do this, to release our words and to pray together. And we're going to look at three areas real quick. We're going to talk about the power of our words, and then we're going to jump into prayer. The first thing outside of the prayer room that affects prayer, and we talked about this last week in Covenant, is does your heart condemn you? And we just touched on it a little bit, those when you miss it and you have that guilty conscience, your heart can condemn you, and that can keep you from prayer. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil, utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. Does your heart condemn you? Are you keeping yourself pure? if you keep yourself pure. The word if puts the onus on us. We have to keep ourselves pure. What does that mean? Walk in line with his word. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. What happens outside of the prayer room affects the prayer room. And if you have a guilty conscience, you are not going to enter in. So if you keep yourself pure, the highest way is to walk in his holiness, to walk in the ways that please him. And guess what? There's ways that please him. There's ways that displease him. The word, the New Testament, not just the Old Testament, the New Testament is full of sinless. Paul put him in there. Peter put him in there. The authors of the New Testament put them in there. Why? Because when God's holiness is violated, a wall goes up. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Highest way to not need 1 John 1.9. But, thank God, 1 <laughs> John 1.9 is in the Bible. Because guess who could never keep the whole law? any of us. That's why we have Jesus. But your heart can still condemn you. You can still walk in ways that please or displease him. If you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honor. So the highest way is to avoid what Paul and Peter and the others say to avoid and to do what they say to do. Highest way. But if you... If you miss it, the throne of judgment has been turned into a throne of grace. The blood washes you. He forgives you. That word forgive means to let it go as though it had never happened immediately. Not with penance, not with works, but immediately you're back in that prayer room. You are back in that clean state. Amen? So his blood makes us clean. His blood helps us to combat those things in our mind that try to keep us out of the prayer room. To take away our confidence when we're trying to ask. And I said that last week. How many of you ever get, maybe start entering into that first song in praise and worship and think of something you messed up? Anybody? That's not the enemy trying to keep you out of praise and worship, that's God reminding of you so you can cleanse it, go by the blood, and enter in, right? I'm just going to make this comment. I love grace. We need grace. We can't earn our way to heaven. We cannot earn our salvation. But if we have a blasé attitude about sin, like it's no big deal because Jesus died on the cross to cover it and no big deal. If we have a blasé attitude about sin because of grace, we don't have a proper understanding of grace. (laughs) Grace was not given to us so that we could sin offends God. He hates it. He hates it. It sent Jesus to the cross. He hates it. So what do we want to do? We want our hearts to not condemn us. The highest way, walk in purity. But thank God for the blood, amen? Let's just lift up five seconds of praise. For the blood. Father, we're so thankful that no matter what, that blood covers us, and that when we confess, you're faithful to forgive, you cleanse us and bring us back into that right standing with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so we're back on, still on. Things outside of the prayer room can affect prayer because we don't want that guilty conscience that keeps us out of His presence. Number two, what are you thinking? (laughs) Ever ask yourself that? What were you thinking? Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, Don't be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. He longs to hear your requests, so talk to God about your needs, and be thankful for what has come, and know that the peace of God a peace that is beyond any and all of our human understanding, will stand watch over your hearts and minds in Jesus, the Anointed One. Finally, brothers and sisters, finally, after you've prayed, after you've made your request known to God, outside of the prayer room, finally, brothers and sisters, fill your minds with beauty and truth. What's truth? Jesus said, my word is truth. Fill your minds with beauty and truth. Meditate on whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is virtuous and praiseworthy. Keep to the script. What's the script? The Word. Whatever you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, do it and the God of peace will walk with you. Our thought life is tied to our prayer life, and to God's peace. (laughs) Our thought life is tied to our prayer life. You cannot be thinking doubt all day and expect it, dear Heavenly Father, with faith. And what fuels answered prayer? Faith. We need it. Our thoughts outside of the prayer room make an impact on what happens in the prayer room. Our faith, our belief, the Word of God needs to be what controls our thoughts. And that's a tough one. Who has an issue with this? (laughs) Yes, I think we all do. Your brain is a muscle and it needs to be worked out a little bit. It's so easy to fall back into thinking the old things to think in things that are not the will of God, to think things that are not the word of God. But our beliefs, the word, is what is supposed to control our thought life. Because what did we say? What you feed grows. And so when your thoughts, if my words abide in you, if your thoughts are consumed with his word, guess what's going to happen? Faith is going to grow. And faith is the fuel that answered prayer runs on, so how much in that do we want? I'd like an unlimited supply, please. <laughs> and it's up to us. We have full control over how much doubt is in our minds. Full control. Got that? Say full control. I have full control of my mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. It says, The weapons of the war we're fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against his truth. We are demolishing arguments and ideas, every high and mighty philosophy that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We are taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them, into obedience to the anointed one, taking prisoners of every thought and every emotion and making them obedient to the word. Say, my thoughts thoughts lie to me. My emotions emotions lie to me. If we can get a hold of those things, (laughs) the only truth worth holding on to is the word. So we're going to read this section in the Amplified. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought, and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You know, that can also be translated the weapons of our warfare, or it can also mean offensive armor of our military career or our apostolic career. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And that means that they're not by our might, they're not by our power, they're not anything that that we originate. You know what the weapons of our warfare are? They're the sword of the spirit and they're the shield of faith. Our weapons are the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. Our weapons are the word of God and the faith that it brings. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And this whole passage of Scripture, what are we talking about? Fighting the devil? Are we fighting in warfare, fighting sickness? Wonder who's going to win? No. Not fighting poverty. Not fighting demonic influence, powers, or authorities. No, those were all put under Jesus' feet. And he made a show of all of that triumphantly. We're just maintaining his victory. And where's the biggest battle? It's in our minds. Casting down imaginations, it said. Casting down reasonings. What does that mean? That means when the thought comes, well, the doctor said, no, the weapon of my warfare is that by his stripes I am healed. It's that he sent his word and healed me and delivered me from all my destruction. We cast down those thoughts that try to exalt themselves over the knowledge of God, over the truth of God. We take those captive and say, you can't stay here, and I'm replacing it with truth. Well, the doctor said it. Yeah, that might be natural fact, but there's a higher truth that trumps natural fact, and you need to tear down that natural nothingness compared to the power of God. All right. yeah. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Why? Because his word is backed by all the power of his name. And when we speak it, we speak his power into our situation. Who cares what the doctor said as long as we know what he said? Because what he said trumps anything the doctor says. Anything. So we cast down reasonings. We cast down, well, I don't know where it's going to come from. Ha, 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 ha. Do you have to know? Because God is so much bigger than our understanding. When Peter needed money for the temple tax, Remember? When they said to Peter, doesn't your master pay the temple tax? And he went to Jesus, he was like, Lord. And then Jesus said, you know, do sons pay? Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) He goes, but so as not to offend. And Now, I thought that was interesting. Because Jesus never really cared about offending. When it came to the word. When it came to truth. This was just a social something that didn't really matter. He said, we don't really, we're not subject to this under his authority, but so as not to offend them, go to the fish. (laughs) Go fishing and pull the coin out of the fish's mouth. Casting down reasonings. If you try to understand a God that's not understandable with our natural mind, you're going to drive yourself crazy and pull yourself out of faith. He is so much bigger than anything you can think. You don't have to understand it. You cast down that doubt. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't see a way. Well, the one who parted the Red Sea can surely make a way, right? Who are we talking to anyway? Someone who's as strong as me? Sometimes I think we think God is made in our image and likeness. Well, if I could not do it and I can't figure it out, there must not be a way. Instead of us being made in the image and likeness of the one who created everything that we see by saying, let there be. He's so much bigger. So we use the weapons of our warfare. Why? Because what we think outside of the prayer room is going to impact our faith. And the Bible says that if you waver... Doubt in James said, if you're flipping back and forth, let that man not think he's going to receive anything from God. The Word is our anchor. It doesn't matter what man says, what you understand or don't understand. He is able. He is faithful. And if he has to come up with a brand new way to perform a miracle for you that no one's ever even heard of, guess what he can do? He can do it. Amen? So we want to take our thoughts captive. We need to stay anchored in our minds to the truth. Because your thoughts become your words. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what you're thinking is eventually going to come out of your mouth. And the Bible says you can have whatsoever you say. And if you don't think that your thoughts turn into words, have you, ever, have you ever said something out loud that you really didn't think you said out loud, that you really weren't planning to say out loud? You tried to take it back because it wasn't meant to be said out loud. Did I say that? Your thoughts become your words, and your words frame your world. It's so important, so important to use the weapons of our warfare. To get control and cast down those thoughts and replace them with the Word of God. If I abide in Him and His Word abides in me, lives in me, vitally united, never separated, the Word. The Word is what we're to flood our hearts and we're to flood our minds with because our thoughts are going to impact our prayers. And we want successful, effectual prayer. And this is going to make a difference. Another layer of that foundation, we're building on having a successful prayer life. The third thing, real quick, is that he hears more than you think. Malachi 3.16 says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. Jeremiah 8.6 said, This is God speaking to Jeremiah. I listen to their conversations and don't hear a word of truth. And this is only two of the verses in the Bible that says God listens to our conversations. God doesn't just start listening when we say, Dear Heavenly Father, and shut it off like a radio when we say, Amen. (laughs) Let's say that again. God doesn't just start listening to us. What words are coming out of our mouth when we say, dear Heavenly Father? He's listening to our conversations. Okay, now take a minute and think, what do my conversations look like? Does anyone want to say, ouch? Ouch. (laughs) We can't talk out of both sides of our mouth. You can't be talking doubt and faith and expect one to triumph over the other. Our words carry power. Our words carry power. Say, my words words. carry power. power. My words words. carry carry power. Now, here's the thing about us. Here's the thing. We are not of this world. We are different than the people in this world that don't know him. Because what resides in us is all the power and all the authority and all the might of the one who created everything that we can see. The one who created everything that we can't see. He lives in us. All the power of God resides in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in my mortal body. And he did not mean for us to just walk around this world and leave it like we found it. He did not mean for us to have all the power and authority of his word and of him and to walk in and out of situations and leave them the same. He meant for us to walk into situations and change them. We're supposed to change atmospheres. We're supposed to change things in this earth words carry power. And if we could just get a revelation of what that looks like, our words would be different. We would choose them a little more wisely. A lot more wisely. What we say outside of the prayer room is just as important as what we say inside of the prayer room. It's an all day long thing, all day long. Say all day long. All day long. Night and day, day and night, night and day. <laughs> Our words are supposed to change the situations around us. And I've been—he's been smacking me all over the place. Even this morning, I said something. Have you ever been tired? <laughs> Wake up with a scratchy throat. More stuff to do in a day than you have time to get it done. And I said something this morning, and it was not faith-based. It was (laughs) situation-based. And then I was talking to Pastor Michael, actually, and he left, and my heart just was like, eh, that was not right. No, this is what you say. I was agreeing with my situation. Holy Spirit said, no, 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 your situation's got to (laughs) change. You don't agree with your situation. You tell your situation what it's supposed to do. And when we do that, that's what releases the power of God into the earth. That's what changes our situations. Was I praying? No, I was complaining. But he heard that too. (laughs) He hears it all. Our words carry power. They're supposed to carry power, twenty four seven. Not just dear heavenly father and amen. Twenty four seven. That's how Warren Ohio is going to change. That's how this nation's going to change. That's how revival's going to come. Praying, Lord, send revival, send revival, and we're waiting in here for Him to pour it out. And He's waiting for us to take what He's already poured out and take it out. Yes, amen. With our words. Prayer starts and ends with him. He gives the word, and that's the foundation of our prayer. We pray what the word says to pray. And we're going to get into spirit-led prayer. We're going to get into praying for jobs and the will of God and, and different things like that. We're going to get into that hopefully next week. But this is where you start. You have to be abiding in the word, and the word has to be the foundation for you your prayer life, and it starts with him. He gives the word, we believe the word, and we confess the word back to him. Father, you said it, I release it back to you, and that opens the door for him to answer. It begins with him, the answer comes with him, and then praise goes back up to him. It begins and ends with him. So, his word and his promises are his potential for our life. Any promises in the word that you don't see as a reality in your life yet? That's his, the, his promises are his potential. But we have to come in line with this little thing on our face and release his word about it. Agree with him. That's what pulls heaven to earth. That's what makes faith sight. Amen? And then the last slide, you can go down to the last one. Connie, you guys might want to just take a screenshot of that with your phones if you want. This is a really good place to start. If you say, I don't know what to pray, and I don't know how to pray, these epistle prayers are amazing. And if you go on to the computer or on your phone, you have a Bible app, if you pray these in the Amplified you are going to be lit on fire. (laughs) I pray them for myself. I pray them for my kids. I pray them for you guys. We pray them for all the members of the church. I pray them for my husband. I pray them for my family. These are powerful prayers that Paul prayed for the church. So if you don't know where to start praying the word, pray these prayers. Start with these. They're amazing. We're going to pray one real quick. And then um, we're just going to kind of release some prayer. Let me get to it. We're going to just pray Ephesians 1, which I don't have up there because I wasn't sure how much time we'd have left because I knew it was a lot of information. Ephesians 1, 18. And <laughs> Pastor Daniel has been referring to this verse all year long. I love it. And Amplified, and this is just what you pray. Oh, it's not 18, it's 15. For this reason, Paul said, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, the people of God, I do not cease to thank, give thanks for you, making mention of you in, in my prayers. And let me just interject here that you can pray this for yourself. Amen. Just where he says, you say me. I pray this for me. It is not even selfish to pray for yourself. Not even close. You need to be praying for yourself. That the Spirit is. Oh, yeah, I lost my place. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets. Anyone have questions for God? What do I need to do? What's coming next? What's your plan? I don't see it, Lord. No, it's Father. Give me insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he's called you, how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable And unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. So, if you want a greater understanding of the power of God, pray this prayer for yourself. If there's someone in your life that needs a greater understanding of the mysteries and secrets or of the power of God, release this prayer into their lives. Every time we open our mouth and pray, it opens a door for God to move and it releases power. If we just understood how much influence we had with God and how much power we could release when we open our mouths, we would not, like Paul said, we would not cease to pray. We would be releasing power day and night. Lord, help us. So I just want to take, we have a few minutes left. We might go a few minutes over because the youth did last week, so I guess it's okay. Okay. But um, And just pray. And this is what I want to pray. Again, it's based in the Word. And I think you'll all agree with me that we need to be praying this. It's not opening. Okay. First Timothy 2. First of all, then, I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be offered on behalf of all men, especially for kings... And all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that we may pass a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and honesty, for such praying is good and right. It is pleasing and acceptable to our Father. So we're going to take the last five, maybe ten minutes to pray for our nation, to pray for our president. How many of you have ever complained about our president? (laughs) How many of you think it would be more effective to release power? (laughs) Because guess what? God really wants his heart too. He wants his wife's heart. He wants his kids' hearts. He wants them bought by the blood. He wants them in heaven. It's more effective to release power than to release complaining. So let's take a minute and pray, shall we? And we are Pentecostal, so if you pray in tongues, lift it up, baby. <laughs> if you don't and you're interested, um, we could pray with you to be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. But don't run out. It's not scary. It's not freaky. It's a gift of God. It's okay. <laughs> so, honey, would you want to play a little bit? Something to... Stir up the spirit of God within us. And if you could, you don't have to stand. You can sit, you can kneel, you can walk. But we're just going to lift up some power towards our president, towards our leaders. They need some wisdom. The Republicans are in, in office now and with the majority in the House and with the Senate. And we just need some things to not have opposition. We need God. You know, God, God, when they removed prayer from within those meetings, they didn't remove God from those meetings. We can get God in there just by opening our mouths to pray. Just like I get so upset when people say we remove God from schools because I send my kids in there with God every day. He goes to school with my kids every day. And so let's just put some of those mindsets aside, shall we? Father, we just lift up to you Our leader. We lift up President Obama to you, Father, and we honor the office of President, and we want to release power into his life. So we pray this for him, Father, that you would open the eyes of his understanding, that he would know the inheritance that you've called him to, that he would know the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints, that he would be hungry and thirsty for you, that his eyes of his heart would be enlightened to see Jesus There's nothing that's too difficult for you. There's nothing that's impossible with you, even opening his eyes. We have seen the hardness of his heart, but you see him from the inside out. And there is not a hopeless case in this world that your arm is too short to reach or your power too weak to save. And so we lift him up. We pray, first of all, for his salvation, Father, that you would reveal Jesus to him. And we pray that as he spends these last years and months in office, Father, that your wisdom would be upon him and that he would be upon in your hands. And that even if he's making a decision, then he's thinking, why am I making this decision? It goes against everything I believe. Then we'll know it's because you were released to work in this situation. So give him wisdom from heaven give him wisdom from heaven to do his job strengthen him to do his job father not just him but the vice president and 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 congress and senate ho 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 we release you into these congressional sessions and into the sessions of the house as they're they're trying to come up with ways to, to decrease the budget and to bring it into a balanced state. Let there be no opposition to your will being done in this country, Father. Zorriata Kalaman Zerevastunda, Dor Rabakan de la Rabate Kete, Manda la Vista, O Riatakande. Dejo, Braque, Desta Canzanete, Do Ramanzanicata, O Ramanjetica Ramasta, Do Ramanga deves Hanamanza de Bosta, Mogravate, Mogravatan Open the door Tabasanete to, to Boshanda La Sene, O oh, Canamanza deves Hanamanza de Verete, Don You have a call on this nation. You've always had a call on this nation to send the gospel. And we thank you that our government will not hinder that call on this nation. There's nothing that can stand against the force of your power. Father, we pray for the intelligence gatherers. Father, we pray that they'll be in the right place at the right time to hear the right words to stop attacks against this nation. We will not fear, but we will Trust in the Most High God. Ha ha. Oh, riatakana and Evesta. Oh, Riatacans and Evains and Emanja. Oh, Roman get Oh, Rabishan, a class and didista clamande. Roshaneta da rebe. Mm. Hallelujah. You are God. You are God. You are God. Oh, Riatacans and Evains and Amashta Kandai. Hallelujah! The same God who when the Apostle Saul was going again to kill the church members, you're the same God who knocked him to the ground and revealed yourself to him. He was completely going the opposite way of your will and your plan but you changed his direction and we ask you to move in President Obama and his family in that way in Vice President Biden in that way in the members of the Congress and the Senate and those that rule this nation father oh let the revival come to Washington hallelujah open the door to the gospel being preached miracles and signs and wonders in washington dc because as goes the head so goes the rest of the country oh we're so ready for revival father so ready for an outpouring of the spirit you promised the early and the latter rain in the last days and we are crying out father for more of your power for more of your presence to be poured out for your spirit to be poured out on all flesh even the flesh in washington hallelujah 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 Oh, well, Father, we give you all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray that this word would permeate every inch of our heart and our minds. That you'd bring it back to our remembrance, Father, to saturate our minds with your word and not doubt. And to speak your power into situations. Strengthen us, Father God, to be who you've called us to be in this earth. Situation changers, life changers, carriers of the power and the presence of God into every situation we encounter. Help us to walk as you've created us to walk. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. He's good, isn't he? He can do anything, can't he? Any of you like twinge when I started praying for President Obama? Sometimes I twinge. I go, oh really? Am I I do can I believe that? <laughs> got to release power. God is able. Amen. Well, you are dismissed. We will see you all on Sunday. Drive safe, home, and that's all.